Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Today, I want to be uh, talking to you about uh, something that's very important. Today's a very special morning because this morning has a lot to do with what our life focus should be on. So I thought it'd be really appropriate for the next couple of weeks starting this morning to talk a little bit about our life of focus. How many have ever read the Bible? And you saw somebody in the Bible and you said, man, that person really messed up. Anybody? If you have not seen somebody that messed up, you haven't read enough. Because it's in there. The Bible's full of people that have messed up, full of people that have made mistakes, full of people that have done wrong and try to figure out what to do next. How do I get out of this situation? Now, raise your hand today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to kind of help me out a little bit. Raise your hand if you have ever said to yourself, now, what am I going to do? Some of, you, <laughs> some of you said that this morning. Right? We, we kind of put ourselves in situations like, well, what are we going to do? That has a lot to do with focus and what you're going to spend your time and your, and your energy on. And today, as we look at this idea of focus, it's very easy to become so engulfed in how we approach ourselves that we forget how God sees us. Thank you, brother. When we see ourselves the way God sees us, we come to a place where we start to understand, man, maybe my life is worth more in his hands than it is in mine. Maybe my life in his hands is going to make a whole lot more difference than my life in mine. Look at me. It doesn't matter what stage you are in your life, if you're the youngest in the room or the oldest in the room. Every life in God's hands will have maximum impact. Every person that has put their lives in God's hands will receive maximum impact impact because there's nothing in this world that thrills God more than a focused individual on his promises and his plan for their lives are you with me so let's look for a moment as we look at about as we talk about a life of focus I want to talk a little bit about what the definition of focus is for a moment because when I looked it up the definition of focus means a central point of attraction attention or activity a central point of attraction, attention, and activity. You notice that it's not just attention, but activity. It's not just what I see, but what I do. It's not just how I see it, but what I do with what I see. See, God doesn't look for people to just see what he's doing and say, hey, that's nice. Or he doesn't look for people just to do what he wants them to do. He looks for both. People that see something and do something right 
Those that see a need, fill a need. Because saved people, come on somebody, saved people serve people. When you're saved, you see there are voids in people's lives and all of a sudden you're like, I want to be a part of that, filling that void. I want to be a part of changing that life. What happens when we try to focus on two things though? And if, Has anyone ever tried to focus on two things and I burnt something on the oven or the stove because you focused your attention this way? Some of you... Okay, if it's a point of contention in a marriage, please don't let that be an issue right now. But you ever had something on the stove and you walked away? Or you had a water running to fill a pot and you decided, oh, no, Jimmy, don't do that. And now you come back to the pot and it's no longer in the pot or the, it's everywhere. Because your focus was pulled away. There's some of us in this room right now that you've lived your life in such a way you've been double focused. The Bible talks about a double-minded man and I want to talk about that for a few moments because a double-minded person is not a God-honoring person. They're just not because their focus cannot be split and God-honoring. You're either all for him or not. Does that make sense? So in James it talks to us a little bit about this and there's uh, five, six, seven, eight. There's four verses in James that talk specifically about this. And so I'm going to ask you to turn there with you. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verses 5 through 8. We're given an example of the state of the impact of someone that's double-minded. And it talks like this. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, raise your hand if you lack wisdom sometimes. Okay, so that's you. We're talking to you. I got two hands. Sometimes I lack double wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all what? Liberally and without reproach. In other words, he's like, you want wisdom? I want to give it to you. I want to give you wisdom. Did you know that God liberally wants to give you wisdom? How many are liberal with your salt and pepper? You're liberal with seasonings. Come on, Latinos, with that adobo. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Latinos put adobo on everything. We put it on cereal. I mean, everything. I'm kidding. No, don't put it on cereal. That's messed up. That's messed up. Everything with that. But you know what I mean? It's, sometimes you, you're liberal with it. You're like, oh, little extra don't hurt, you know? God gives wisdom liberally. He's like, you want wisdom? Just come to me. I'll give you wisdom. You want to know how to handle that situation? I'll give you wisdom. Because God understands that focus is very important. Right? Focus is very important. And so when we have to focus, we have to have wisdom in which direction to focus. So he cares about that. Let me read on. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven, tossed by the wind. For let not the man, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man, I'll say this again, a double-minded man, now this is man or woman, man is mankind. A double-minded man is unstable in all 
his ways. There's a lot we can go into this that I don't want to necessarily dive into that too much, but I do want to talk about uh, there are two words to consider in this passage. And the, the first one is double-minded, which comes from the Greek word dipsychosos. Dipsychosos. And so that word means wavering or divided interest. In other words, I want this, but I want that too. I want this, but I want that too. That's the Greek word that comes from that. And that double-mindedness is what gets us in trouble. When we want this, but we want that. A double-minded person literally has two agendas operating inside of them. Another translation actually says two souls. <laughs> it actually says often the double-minded man person is unaware that they're working against their own soul. They're working against their own selves. The, 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 the purpose that God has for them, it's working contrary to that. Now, I think most of us would be on the same page this morning if I was to ask you, how many of you did something, you made a decision that you thought was good for you, but at the end of the day, it was not good for you, right? Most of us would be like, yeah, I've been there. Why? Because you thought some way, and so you responded that way. A person says that they're looking um, for a good church, but they're not committed to finding a good person that is within them. No matter what church you're going to go to, guess what? You're still living in you. Right? So sometimes we get, we struggle with finding the good, perfect job, the good, perfect spouse, the good, perfect anything. But we are looking for them to be what we could never be ourselves because we never looked internally and had internal focus. So no matter what we do, we're going to be completely wavering I don't believe that this is right for me. I don't believe this is right for me. Guess what? If every single place you go to, if every single relationship you go to, if every single job you take, if every single, and they all have the same result, what's the motivating factor there and what's the common denominator? Maybe, just maybe, there's something you have to figure out within you first. That doesn't mean that you're wrong or sinful. Hear me. It just means that you may have not settled with something inside of you. It doesn't have to be sin, but it could be directional. Because there are times we have, we're pulled in a direction that's not of God. And it just takes just enough. If I want to, build, if I want to create a straight line from here to that window, but right here in the beginning, I'm just a millimeter off. Just a millimeter off. Anybody understand dynamics there? If anybody's ever cut or done construction, if you are a millimeter off here, right here, just a hair this way, by the time you get to the end, you're going to be this far out. Hello? You understand what I'm saying? So when I'm talking about focus, I'm talking about saying, it's not okay if I let this little sin in. Because that little sin at the end will look like this. You follow me? That's focus. So if we can get this part right today, not yesterday. Because guess what? Today you're reaping yesterday's benefits. Or rather, excuse me. Today you're reaping yesterday's seeds. So you can either 
choose to reseed today and refocus your energy or you will continue to live yesterday's sowing. And some of us are like, well, I wasn't right yesterday. Today I want to get my life right. Well, guess what? Pull it out, start over. Hit the reset button. And I want to live a life of focus. The other word I want to focus on this morning, just for a few moments, the other word I want us to consider is the word unstable. Everybody say unstable. 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 This word comes from the Greek word akataskatos. Akataskatos. Forgive my Greek. I'm not Greek. But that word means unable to stand or unable to be set. There are a lot of people that walk around their lives unsettled. Un- and that's where the term unsettled comes from. The idea that I'm not foundationally set. And so what happens is a double-minded man becomes spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes even leaks into our physical body unstable. Because when you worry and stress, that affects your physical body. Raise your hand if you know that's true. Right? You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever stressed about something, you know how quickly your stomach could turn, your body reacts, headaches, all these different things begin to happen. You with me? Who's with me? All these dynamics, all these different things start happening. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Right? All these things start happening. You didn't think I was going to work that in, did you? Stay tuned. There's a lot of things that are affected when you're, double, when you're double-minded. It affects all kinds of things in your life. And then we think, how did I get here? You know how you got here? In the beginning, it wasn't set right. You were a millimeter off because you let something wedge itself between you and the goal. And that thing pushed you off. And you end up way over here when you're supposed to be way over there. Who's with me? Right? So a double-minded man is unstable, the Bible says, in all his ways. It affects your heart. It affects your words. It affects your attitude. How many need an attitude adjustment sometimes when you're frustrated? Don't point at your spouse. It affects your testimony. It affects your ministry. It affects your relationships. See, what are we, spent, uh, what are we splitting our time and attention on? Not spending splitting our time and attention on. Because that split means you can't be all in. A double-minded man is not all in. Some of you dated somebody that was double-minded. Some of you work with people who are double-minded. They don't want to get the good job for the job purposes. They just want the money. And here's what I realized. It's not wrong to want the money to work because you need to pay bills. Get that. Everybody get that? Nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem. If you don't enjoy the journey, the end result is going to be a very different situation. I love what Pastor Corey illustrated just a few moments ago in regards to giving. Can I turn that around a little bit into what we're talking about today? Because in the same way, if you don't enjoy the journey of this walk being Christian, all we're doing is checking off a box. I'm just, I I came to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. I came to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. Like, that's not enough to make a difference in this world. You have to enjoy the journey. 
What does that look like? That looks like, you know what? When I go out and someone is in need, I do everything in my power to help them out. We can't fix everybody, but guess what? Do for one what you wish you could do for all. How different would this church look? How different, no, let me even think bigger than that. How different would the church worldwide look if everyone, every one of us, affected one person the way we would love to affect one person? Because oftentimes we look at the big picture like, I can't change the world. I can't change the world. But you know how you change the world? When you change your world. The immediate circle around you. Help one person. If, every, if 50 people, if 100 people, if 150 people affected one person, one person, 300 would be blessed. Because you're not only blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing. You with me? When I help someone and I do something for them that they can't do themselves, I'm blessed too. So guess what? You end up with 300 blessed people. You started with 150 and you end up with 300 blessed. You with me? So our theme verse for what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks, and I wanted to kind of launch off of this this morning, is Proverbs 29, 18. So listen, you can turn there, mark it. We're going to be referring to this in the next couple of weeks. Proverbs 29, 18 says something amazing. Here's what it says. Without revelation, people will run wild, but one who listens to instruction will be happy. That's good. How many know that's a good verse right there? Isn't that a good verse? But I want us to look for a moment at the part that says, without revelation, people run wild. Look at that world today. Would you say, just to, just to throw this out there, would you say that the world's running a little bit wild? Just possibly. You know what's missing? Revelation. And guess what? It's not God not speaking. It's not that. It's people not seeking. The problem has never been God not speaking. The problem is man not seeking. And when we want that revelation, we will do whatever we have to to get it. We crack open the scripture. Listen, you can't read while you drive, but you can open that free Bible app that will read you that Bible verse. Or read you verses on the way to work. If you know you work in a hostile environment, if you know you lack peace, can I tell you something? Open up the scriptures on your app before you start the car or even when you start the car. Instead of waiting 10 minutes for the car to warm up or whatever, get into your car, start the car, and give yourself 10 minutes to get yourself situated so you can play the Bible so that that 10, 15, 20-minute drive, whatever it looks like, is filling you. Because the problem... It's not that God is not speaking. The problem is that we're not seeking. Furthermore, the problem is that we start leaking. The problem is that when we're broken individuals, that stuff will come out of us. We feel drained. We feel like, man, this person did this or this person said that in my job. Man, I just feel so, I feel so discouraged. How many ever came home discouraged from work? Anybody? If, if you have not come home discouraged from work, well, at least one time, you didn't even work. <laughs> I question whether that's even a job. There's, there's always going to be people that rub you weird. And, and half of the time, can I tell you, half of the time, it's stuff that's going on in your mind and it's not even happening. Right? You're stressing and worrying and this and that and that. 
This devil steals your joy. Don't let him steal you. Come on, tap your neighbor real quick right now, right next to you. Tell him, don't let the enemy steal your joy. Tell him. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Tell him. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. So here, three things I want to say before we, uh, because I want to, I want to, I'm going to wrap this up here in a minute because we're going to go to our baptism. Who's excited for the baptisms this morning? Who's excited? Excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to baptize some amazing people, but let me, let, let's focus for a moment on a few things. What we focus on has a lot to do with how others see us. If you care, listen, if you care about your reputation more than you care about your salvation, if you care more about your reputation than you care about your salvation, you're going to have a hard time in Christianity. In fact, that's not even Christianity. Christianity says my reputation died. When I, when I came to Christ, and that's what we're going to be doing with our candidates in just a little bit. We're going to say I'm dead to, dead to sin, dead to life, and I'm alive in Christ again. Amen. I died. My reputation, no longer a factor. When we, when we decide that our reputation is not as important as his glorification and his glory, we start to do things we never were willing to do before. You with me? Because it's about his reputation, not mine. I want to give glory to him. It's about his glory. His glory and his glory alone. So let's look for a moment at this passage. Uh, some of you remember this passage in Matthew 14. Uh, I'm going to kind of allude to it. Jesus in this passage here, Matthew chapter 14. For those of you that have it, you see it on the screen here. Um, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already over a mile from the land, battered by the waves. Because the waves was against them, around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. How many know that God needs to speak peace to us sometimes? It's, don't be afraid, it's me. Have courage. And Peter then opened his mouth, because Peter's a real quiet guy. Okay, that's not true at all. I want to see who got that joke. Peter's not a quiet guy. He, in fact, he spoke too much sometimes, too quickly. But I will say this. He was the first one to say, let me come out to the water with you. And what did Jesus say? Stay in the boat. It's safer in there. We want to be safe right now. It's very important that we stay safe. Jesus was praying a hedge of protection upon the boat. No, no, and again, no. You know what he said? In the midst of the waves, listen, listen to me, look at me. In the midst of the waves and the storm, he should have stayed in the boat. But because his faith cried out, Jesus called him out. When your faith cries out, Jesus calls you out. But notice he's the only one that wanted to come out. He didn't call out any of the other disciples. Why? 
because he will tell you to come if you call out to him. You know what he could have said? Peter could have said, let me come out. And Jesus could have said, yes, Peter, you and all, the, all you guys, come on out to the water. No. Why? Because they were not there yet. They have not gotten to that point of their journey where they're willing to step out. And to one he said, look at me, to one he said, come. Why? Because Peter was focused. And at that moment, he said, come. He said, come to who? James? John? Bartholomew? That's a fun name. None of them. You know who he said it to? The one that's a loud mouth that speaks up, sometimes out of turn. Because he was willing to speak. And when he said, let me come to you, he said, come. Can I tell you something? It's very easy to knock Peter for speaking out of turn. But he's the only one that got out of the boat. And last I checked, reading all the scripture that I've read in my life, he's the only one outside of Jesus, to walk on water. So before you knock him, when's the last time you walked on water? Okay, that's the equivalent of, if you haven't sinned, cast the first stone, right? That's the equivalent to that. Before you mock Peter, when's the last time you walked on water? Right? So that leaves me, it's been two weeks for me, but I don't know about you guys. <laughs> three weeks. Number one, the focus of Jesus was the Father. Come on, I got three points. That's a good sermon right there. The focus of Jesus was the Father. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. His focus was the Father. What's your focus? Look at verse 23. He dismissed the crowds. Some of y'all need to dismiss the crowds and go get with Jesus because y'all taking advice from a crowd. And how many know that we can't get five people to agree on the same thing? You can't even get five people to agree where to go to lunch, let alone the direction of your life. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You can't get, you can't get five people to be like, yeah, Applebee's is good. Someone would be like, I had Applebee's last week. <laughs> There's always one. Then you're like, all right, well, rock, paper, scissors, figure it out. Let's do this. His focus was the Father. Number two, the focus of the disciples in that day, that was their fear. They're focused on fear. Verse 24, but the boat was already a mile from the land. The, the wind was against it. Three in the morning, Jesus came walking on the water. I'm not going to lie. If somebody came walking in the water in the middle of the night, I'd be a little bit weirded out too, just saying. But when they knew it was Jesus, they still didn't even want to be a part of it. They were like, Ugh, what's going on? And what did he say at the end? He said at the end, you of little faith verse 31 so your your focus should not be fear hello 
The last two and a half years has been a lot of focus on fear, hasn't it? I'm done with it. How many are done with it? How many, how many will not participate? I choose not to comply in fear. Come on, somebody. I will not allow myself to live in fear. That's not what God gave me, and that's not what I subscribe to. Somebody say amen. amen. So, the focus of the disciples was fear. Verse 24 and 25. But let's move to the third point. The focus of Peter was faith. Let me come out. Let me come out. How many of you have had something you really, really wanted to do? And you say, God, let me be a part of this. You know that thrills God's heart? Your father's heart? Did you know that? That thrills God's heart. When you say, I want to be a part of this. That thrills God's heart. It really does. So it's not Peter that was perfect. It's not about that. Peter didn't walk on water because he was perfect. In fact, we know a lot of story after story that Peter was not, right? He was not perfect. But guess what he was? Willing. Willing will outlast imperfection. Because that imperfection is built in us. But that willingness to allow God to step in That'll change the game for anybody. Who's with me? Who's with me? When Peter met Jesus, he was an average person, a fisherman. But when he met Jesus, after he met Jesus, before he met Jesus, he was average. When he met Jesus, he became above average. Because his faith was no longer in just himself. His faith was in Jesus, the rabbi, his teacher. And I don't know about you, but I want my teacher to be Jesus every day. Every day, I need that teacher. How many need teacher Jesus to show up? Rabbi Jesus to show up? I know I do. So here, if you would allow me for a moment to talk to the candidates this morning that are coming to be baptized in just a few moments. We're going to get everybody ready in just a few moments. What does Jesus see when he looks at you? You know what he sees this morning? You know what he sees this morning? First of all, somebody with a really cool t-shirt. Second of all, you know what he sees? Someone willing. Willing to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And that's great great news and I want to leave you with this quote before we close in just a moment and this quote is the one that really sets it apart and puts all of what I'm saying into a capsule are you ready for me listen to this quote it's better to be someone that follows and fails than someone that fails to follow Let that sink in. Give it a couple seconds. Because it's better to be someone that follows and fails than someone that fails to follow. We desire to love God and love people because we decided that. We decided to love God and love people. And the God that lives within us is the one that changes the world because we're willing. 
Listen, if you've committed your life to Jesus, I want you to know two things. Number one, there's no one else that accepts you like Jesus does. How many of you, God brought you out of serious situation at some point in your life? You were like, I have no hope, but God gave me hope. I've been there. When you accept Christ, you become a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. But here's what I want you to understand. He doesn't expect us to change before we commit our lives. But here's what he does expect. That when we say yes to Jesus, that we're willing to start chipping away at the old you that tries to linger around. No, 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 no. Got to get that out. Got to get that out. Let God begin to chip away at some of the behavioral res uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Residue of the old you. That's a good line. God wants to get rid of the residue of the old you. See, because you are a new creation, but there's a little bit of the old you that likes to linger. How many ever cleaned some things and then there was like residue from after you done clean? Like, wait a second, I need to get to this part. I need to get that. Can I tell you something? God wants to clean all of you. And he wants to get rid of the old things that linger. Attitudes. Mindsets. Language. Hello? Hello? I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. People said amens to other stuff. And I said language. They're like, oh, well. Your language matters, friend. Whether it's godly or not godly, it matters. How you speak to your spouse, how you speak to your kids, how you speak to your coworker for crying out loud, it matters. Because it shows where your focus is. And if it shows where your focus is, guess what? It's important. Second thought is this. When you fall down, because you will, get up. Come on, somebody. When you fall down, Get up. Get up. Get up. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> That's the worst advice ever, but it works. No, just rub some dirt in it. It'll be fine. Come on. We got to go. We're almost late. But you know what? In honesty, sometimes you just got to decide what? To get up. So you're going to mess up. Okay. You messed up. It's not okay that you messed up. But now you can get up again get up you didn't pray today okay get up pray you didn't read today okay it's not okay that you didn't pray it's not okay that you didn't read the word do it decide focus because the focused people are the ones that change others the focused people are the ones that change lives 